We're going to finish today uh, the message we've been sharing, anointed for increase. Everybody say anointed for increase. And this came from a word that the Lord gave me recently. And maybe, excuse me, in your finances, you know, sometimes we have opportunities in our finances to want to just give up in that area of our believing. And we preach a lot in the church, believing for healing, uh, believe God for, for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your life, believe for a lot of things that God says, but we don't often share on finances. And the Lord began to speak to me. He said, most people, most pastors are afraid to share on finances because the church will think that they just want their money. And, uh, and so they retreat in that area and never teach faith for finances. And God wants to bless the church, but we only can operate in the revelation that we have. And so he began to speak to me, you need to believe for the anointing to increase. And so I said to the Lord, well, exactly what is that? And he began to speak to me. He said, the way you, the harvest that you have is stored up in heaven. Everybody say in heaven. And when we give to God, he, he has a principle in Malachi 3. He says, give, give to me, bring all your tithe into the storehouse so there'll be meat in my house. That just means provision. Everybody say provision for whatever God wants to do. Then he says, I will open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing such as you cannot contain. Now, I don't, we can't fathom what that is because we don't fully understand what that means because we can't see that much abundance in our lives. We can sing it. We can talk it. But, you know, maybe your house is overflowing with gold today. But most of us that are sitting here are standing in faith. Everybody say standing in faith. <laughs> standing in faith. And, you know, God wants us to begin in that arena of our lives to be just as confident of his provision as we are for healing. Just as confident as we are that he is going to show up when we need him in the midst of a situation. And yet, if we don't have the hearing of the word, everybody say hearing of the word, then our faith can't grow because it says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And John has given a lot of scriptures recently on the provision of God. And this last message is release the increase. Everybody say release the increase. It's not a long message. But I did feel today to read you a few scriptures. You know, in my life, when I was uh, growing in the things of God and a single mom, there were a lot of areas where I didn't have enough. How many of you have ever been in that position? Maybe you're not in that position today, but I was, I was really uh, in a position where I was the provider for my children. I had a little bit of child support, but um, it never was enough. How many of you know there's just, even if you're married, there's not always enough. So... Uh, we have to get past that provision comes if I'm in this state or in this state or in this state. Provision comes because God is God. Provision comes because he is the God El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, like Pastor John said. So as I was reading this, the key last week we talked about is, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul. your what? Soul. Your soul prospers. Well, that's your intellect your will, your emotions, your five senses, they have to prosper based on what your spirit knows, not based on what your mind knows according to the world, but what God has said. And so if you never put the word of God in your heart, you'll never know what God is saying. And when God began to increase my life, he started with the word. Everybody say the word. word. And he began to show me that the anointing of God was capable of meeting my every need. Now, you know, in some areas I was more willing to believe, walked in more faith.
But in finances, when you have to go to the grocery store every week and you've got three children at home and you have to buy food, I'm telling you, there has to be money. You don't go to the checkout lane at Marsh and say, I'm here by faith. (laughs) And by the way, I'll be back next Tuesday. If by faith, uh, my money all comes in, they're going to say, leave your groceries and we'll see you later, lady. Because they don't operate by faith. But my faith causes the abundance to come to me so that I can have those things that God's provided. So today, you know, this is Thanksgiving week. And, you know, Thanksgiving is really, in its beginnings, was a time to give thanks to God for his provision. For his provision. Everybody say provision. It was food. It was food. And and that they had good harvests. And, uh, you know, they were rejoicing that God had blessed them. You can go and read it in, in the encyclopedia or wherever you want to read about Thanksgiving, it talks about how, how they said to themselves, you know, God has blessed us. God has made provision. One of the quotes that I found in here says that um, when they were in a time where that didn't look like they'd have provision, God still came through. How many of you have ever had that situation? Didn't look like it. But it says, thus they found the Lord to be with them in all their ways. Sounds like Joseph in the Bible, doesn't it? That sounds like other people in the Bible. They found that. These were people in the very beginnings of our nation. And to bless their outgoings and their incomings. I love that where it says God blesses you coming in or going out. Some of us don't know which way we're going. That just means we're covered either way, in or out, whichever way we're going. And it says, for which let his holy name have the praise forever to all posterity. They began now to gather in the small harvest they had and to fit up their houses and dwellings against winter, being all well, recovered in health and strength, and had all things in good plenty. And so they were rejoicing. And you may be sitting here today and say, but I don't have all things. Well, I can promise you, if you begin to say you have all things, you will have all things. Because it's a principle that when we speak our faith, God hastens to perform his word. And his word is based on faith. His word is based on supernatural promises. Everybody say supernatural. And so today when we talk, I just want to read. This is one of the first scriptures God gave me to speak over my life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. These won't be up there. It's Colossians 3. Teaching and admonishing one another in his psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Everybody say giving thanks. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. When you begin to read the word of God, it will begin to encourage you. It will begin to stir up things. This is Colossians 1.12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Everybody say praise God. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of of sins. See, when you begin to rehearse the word of God every day over your life, some of you say, well, I don't know how that the pastors get to be so, so strong in their faith. Well, we do it the same way everybody else has to do it by the word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. When God first shared that with me, he reminded me of a dessert that I fixed for Thanksgiving. They all line up for it. Everybody gets their spoon out. And my daughter, granddaughter, Rachel, we have to make two now because she takes over half of it for herself. But it's a pistachio dessert. And whenever I would read that scripture, I would think of that pistachio dessert because it's so rich. And God began to let me identify that the word of God is that rich in our lives. It begins to hold us in position when we don't know what to do. But if we never put the word of God in us, then we're not ever going to be in a position to be anointed. 
because that's where the anointing comes from. It's on the word of God. Jesus was anointed. It says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. I guarantee if you let the word of God dwell richly in you, you begin to give thanks for the word of God and begin to speak it over your life every day. Something on the inside of you will want to lay hands on somebody. Something on the inside of you will want to step out in faith. And you won't even know why you want to go there. It's because the word is dwelling richly in you. And because you're giving thanks to God. And it begins to cause us to live in this realm where we're anointed for increase because our belief is in what God can do. Not what the world can do, not what we can do, not what our job can do. But it doesn't come just because we come to church on Sunday. It's something that happens on the inside of us because the word of God becomes so real in us. And uh, sometimes I say, even in the park, I, I preach myself happy. Everybody say happy. Happy. Preach myself happy. If you look at your outline, Psalm 112, one of my very favorite Psalms, people read it. I'm sure I've read it and we don't really realize what it says, but it says, praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. That blessed is happy right there. Happy. Everybody say happy. Now, the Bible says in one of the Psalms, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I just have this question for you today. Does anybody know you, you're blessed of the Lord? Because if we're blessed of the Lord, we are happy people. Amen. You know, have you ever been to the church of, you know, where, where you go out feeling worse than when you came in? You know, where, there's, where, where you have a feeling, I'm, I'm missing it here, and I'm missing it there, and I'm missing it here. You know, the word can become a, a legalistic tool to try to bring the church into order or into obedience. Or the love of God, when it goes forth with the word, it's the new covenant. Everybody say the new covenant. Paul talked about it in Second, in second Corinthians chapter 3. He said the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. He wasn't saying get rid of, rid of the letter of the law, but he was saying when you put the two together, there's such a new excitement about what God can do. That's the people we are so happy are the people whose God is the Lord. It goes on and say, now, now just think, do you really believe this? His descendants will be mighty on the earth. Think of your children. When was the last time you said, boy, my kids are mighty on the earth? Or are you saying, you know, I don't know. Looks like they may never get it. Everybody say, that's not the word. See, that's not the word. That is not a person who's going to see increase in any area of their children's lives. The Bible says his descendants will be mighty on the earth. So to me, it looks like it depends on if the parents are in fear of the Lord. That's what this says. Those who fear the Lord. The generation of the upright will be? Will be? So do your children have more than enough to do what God's called them to do? Yes, because they're the generation of the upright. See, young people have to be taught today their parents are not their source. They have to be taught, if you're believing God for something, then step into the anointing because you're the generation of the upright and you will be blessed. You will be blessed. We see it in our children, our grandchildren's lives. That doesn't come just because somebody said, oh, I hope we make it. No, it comes because of the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. That's why it has to dwell in you. Number three, verse three, wealth and riches will be in his house. How many of you woke up this morning and said, thank God wealth and riches are in my house? Or maybe you heard the preacher who said, let's not get carried away with prosperity. I'm telling you, that, that is an affront against God. Jesus died so that wealth and riches could dwell in the house 
of the believer. You say, well, what about the people who don't have it? Same as when I went to Mexico. God said to me, are you going to decide that they can't have wealth and riches just because of what you see? Or are you going to speak over them and bind the poverty-mindedness that's been on them forever because they're in captivity in that area and believe with them that they can never achieve above this? That's, that's how we've limited lots of things in the earth is because we're not looking beyond what we see to what God sees. And God sees the ability for all things to prosper. He created everything to prosper. And so he says, wealth and riches and his righteousness endures forever. Under the upright, there arises light in the darkness. How many have ever felt like you're in the dark about something? It says right, light will arise. That means God's revelation to me or his whatever we need to know is going to come to us. Then he says, he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. How many of you have shaken a little? You just say, I'm, I, my body may be shaken, but my heart is steadfast. Because that's what the word says. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. We are living in a world where it says in Luke 21 that men's hearts will fail them for fear because of the things that they see. And it says the expectation in their hearts of what's going to happen to them. Do you believe we live in a world like that right now? Everything is saying, look out. It's not going to work. It's not going to get better. This young generation, there's no hope before them that their life is going to be better because everybody's saying we're in trouble and everything is falling down. Well, we're not in trouble. Turn to your name and say, I'm not in trouble. Brother Copeland said there may be a depression. There may be things going on, but I'm not participating. I love that. I am not participating. Why? Because I am in the kingdom of light, and I walk above that. He says his heart is established. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Enemies, by the way, are not people. They're powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God that try to tell you that you cannot have what God promised you. He has dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. That's us. And that's what we're doing in the Sudan. We have given to the poor. We're reaching out to other people. His righteousness endures forever. This is talking about the person who fears God. What does that mean? That they're afraid of him? No, that they honor him as the Lord of their life. It's a respect issue. It's an honor issue. It's saying whatever he says is true. I believe it. We just sang it. We said, yes, yes, yes. This, this is that kind of psalm that's saying, this is what you're saying yes to. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Some of us as believers, I think, are thinking that the wicked are rising up and we're going down. It's only what you believe in your heart. Everybody say, believe in your heart. And so in this church, I believe God's saying to us, you have the anointing to increase upon your life. You need to release that anointing. And Jesus is always the example. There's one other psalm that I said over myself every day for a year, and it changed my life, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I'm telling you, everybody wants to give you their benefits today. There is no greater benefit than the truth of the word. It says, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. That means anything that's not even yet named, it's already taken care of by the blood. Isn't that good? Who redeems your life from destruction. That means if you today are feeling like you're in destruction, there's hope because he redeems that life. Who crowns you with loving kindness, 
That word also has a, a root in the word grace. Everybody say grace. That's God's ability or unmerited favor. And tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. I'm not getting old. Hallelujah. My body tries to get old, you know, but I'm not getting old. It isn't going to be ruled by what you see on the outside. It's what I believe on the inside. And God made me this promise in 1979. And believe me, I look better today than I did in 1979. You can ask my sister. She's got all pictures to prove it. She likes to show them to people and say, can you believe this was her? Hallelujah. (laughs) You can ask her. She'll say, people don't know who I was because God changed my countenance. How? Just because somebody said smile? No, because he changed my heart. He changed my heart. How did he change my heart? By the word of God, not by my circumstances, excuse me, because I had three kids. I was a looney tune and did not know what I was doing. And this is the very area God first grabbed my heart, finances. And you know why he did? Because it's the ultimate place the enemy uses to destroy faith. Ultimate place. And I was a single mom and I didn't live here. And I was by myself in Tulsa with three kids who wanted everything just like your kids do. It wasn't the same things. But it was pretty much, you know, what kids want, everything. Hallelujah. And, and, you know, they see things. Your children right now are seeing things, little kids especially. My little grandkids, they, they take the whole magazine from Toys R Us and the whole magazine from Target. And we say, pick a few. Everything's circled. Everything, every, they, everything is circled. Why? Because that's just, that's just who we are, you know. And, but, but a lot of people, when they preach, they, they, they act like God doesn't want you to have good things. God wants us to have all things. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper. But he wants us to be able to be a channel of that to whoever needs it. You know, I was in Mexico. A young girl came up, grabbed me by the hands and started dancing with me. And God said, I I want you to pray for her. And and I had this thought, take her to America. I thought, oh, dear God, Bill would never understand this. (laughs) I have to go home and talk to my husband. Sorry, God. But, uh, you know, it was like she's home in my heart. I, I sent back and said, give me your picture. And they sent me her picture. And when I see it, it almost makes me cry. And I didn't know anything about her, but she's living with an aunt. She doesn't, I don't know what happened to her family. And her grandma just died. And I had sent this word to her. And they sent back and said that word really ministered to her because her grandma, who she really trusted, had just died. See, God has orphans all over the world. And so, you know, I'm thinking, all right, I got all these grandkids. We, We have 12 children, six children, all married. So that's 12. And then we have 14 grandchildren. And then there's Bill and I, and that's just our immediate family. And then we want to give to everybody. Don't you want to give to everybody? Well, the way God provides for you is as you give to other people. It releases the increase. I'm going to show you. Let's look at the example Jesus gave in John. I love this one. And it's the only, only, only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels except the resurrection, with the exception of resurrection. In all four Gospels, same story. And it says, After these things, Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were sick. Jesus healed the sick everywhere that he went. And Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him, and he said, Philip, you know, Philip's the one he spoke to in John. Or Philip spoke and said, well, how how can we see the Father? And he said, Philip, have you been with me so long that you don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? 
And so he's talking to Philip again. It must have been, you know, he just, he wanted to get this point home to Philip, that God is the provision. Jesus said, greater things will you do than I do because I go to be with the Father. Now keep that in mind as we read this because it says, and now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude, a great multitude coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said, this he said, to test Philip. Everybody say to test Philip. For he himself knew that he would do it. See, all these tests that we run into financially are really tests to see if we're going to try to do it and use our natural reasoning. Because he even said, where are we going to buy bread? And he said, but it was a test because Jesus knew in his heart he was going to do it. How? Supernaturally. Everybody say supernaturally. See, he knew he would do it supernaturally, but he wanted Philip on his page. So he says to Philip, and Philip answers, well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. I don't know about you, but I watched Oprah this week. I don't watch Oprah. I was resting my foot, putting ice on it. Oprah was on, and she gave people presents. Not just one present, but tons of presents. She calls it my favorite things. I thought, oh, God, could I have a Sunday like that? And I could come in here with all my presents. I see you're interested now. See, this is, this is how you bait the fish. You get them interested. And so she gave, them, she gave them one present after another present after another. And I thought, God, that's like you. The father of good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He is the same always. And, and so, you know, she's, I thought, oh, God, I want to do that. Well, that's what Jesus did right here. I mean, it wasn't presents, but it was what they needed. You know, I'd like to be able to say to you, and what would you need today, Austin? Well, this is what you, well, you need a car, right? Annabelle says, <laughs> Annabelle says your car is very different. Yeah. It needs a touch, Yes. It needs the junk heap and it needs a new, you need a new car. So you need a new car. See, is that impossible for God to do for you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I would like to be able to say, Austin, here's your new car. You would like that too? (laughs) Everybody say faith. You know, I believe God is a good God. And I believe God wants to give good gifts because his word says it. I cannot say the word does not say that. I know God wants to heal people and do all these other things. But finances to God is just as important in the furthering of his kingdom as any other thing that Jesus provided for. This miracle, four times, all four gospels, the only one recorded all four places for a reason. And it says... One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, everybody say, given thanks. You find that a lot. He thanks his father before he provides the miracle. See, that's, that's that's not like human nature. We're waiting until we get it to thank God for it. And God says, start thanking me now, folks, because everything that I have, I've got for you. He distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples 
and to the, and the, the disciples to those who sitting down. He handed it to his people. The people handed it. And likewise, the fish, as much as they wanted. Everybody say supernatural. And this I love. It's in all the stories about this. So when they were filled, everybody say filled. filled. When they were filled, not when they were just barely getting by, not when they just had enough, just for that. When they were filled, it said, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that it nothing is lost. And that little boy ended up with more than he had when he left because God is a God of abundance. No question. You read this story, you can read it about the 4,000. This was the 5,000. The 5,000 is the one that's reported in all four. In Matthew, there's an additional one. In Matthew 15, where he fed the 4,000, seven loaves. I'm telling you, God is a God who wants us to understand that when we have a need and we need in our lives the finances to do what God has asked us to do. When you have children, God has asked you to be a parent. Amen? So when you have children, this message isn't about building churches. I'm talking about building a home. You know, we had the miracle a few weeks ago of Corey with his car, and, and someone gave him a car. I'm telling you, God loves Corey, and, and Corey's a faithful servant, but I'm telling you, he loves you too. It's, it's when we start believing that God is who he says he is. I asked him to sing that song on purpose today, that offering song. Yes, yes, yes. I want you to go around and start saying, yes, yes, yes. Not, not, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, my grandma said we shouldn't talk about money. It's not about money. Well, I'm telling you, God had a system for sacrificing in the church, for sin, for trespasses, for peace, all these offerings. And he also had a system for providing. And it was called tithing. It was called tithing. That's what it was. And so the same provision is needed today in the church. We have to release the increase. One other place in... Um, it's in Psalm 78, I think. Is that, where, is that on your paper? Yeah, Psalm 78. This is about, about God's goodness. Everybody say goodness. goodness. Even when the children of Israel were disobedient to him in the wilderness, when he brought them out to bring them in to the promised land, that's what it says in my Bible. It says in verse 21 of Psalm 78, Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious. He was furious with them because they continually tested God. So if you're here today and you're one of those people who said, I probably made God furious. <laughs> Here's your good news. This is what it says. So the fire was kindled against Jacob and anger came up against Israel because they did not believe God and did not trust his salvation. That's the thing that God wanted them to do. Believe him and believe his salvation. Yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna on them to eat and gave them the bread of heaven. Everybody say the bread of heaven. In my Bible, it's called angel's food. Angel's food. And it says the bread of the mighty. Everybody say the mighty. He provided for them. And it says, he had rained down manna on them to eat. He had given the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the, to the what? To the full. It was only provision for that day. Remember, that's all they got. That was a test for them. He said, I'm only going to give you enough for today. Immediately, they tried to take more than they needed. But it all rotted. But then God gave them the next day what they needed. Well, in the wilderness, it says in Deuteronomy 8, don't forget that it was me who took care of you in the wilderness. And then he says in Deuteronomy 8, 18, and don't forget this, it is me who gives you power to get wealth that I may prove my covenant. What is he proving? 
that when you took his name, you connected with the God of heaven. And when the God of heaven signs a covenant or comes into a covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ, everything he has becomes yours. That's covenant. Every provision, healing, wholeness, everything that we need. When you study covenant, it will change your life forever because it makes God who God really is and there is no way you cannot begin to believe. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to rejoice that there is increase for every person who belongs to him. You say, why are you preaching this? Because I believe in the earth there's going to be decrease. And I believe that supernatural increase. Everybody say supernatural. I believe supernatural increase is going to be the way of the church. I believe this with all my heart. So I believe that this is like a a prophetic uh, warning, so to speak, or uh, an encouragement to say, listen, people, we have got to begin to believe in this arena. Because we, we believe in these other arenas, but God wants the church to be aware we will be the breadbasket in the last days of this earth. We will be the people who have the bread of life. Jesus, who is the bread of life, that goes on in John 6 and talks about it. And that's really, Jesus was all about, I am the bread of life. I am everything. I am everything. I'm your sufficiency. It says in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give into your bosom. Right above that, it says, judge not, condemn not, and forgive. And then it says, give. So there are things in our life that we need to do in addition to giving, but I'm talking about giving today. At least the increase is a giving situation. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is a giver. It is the nature of a child of God. In that covenant, you became a giver because you take on who he is. You take on who God is. You become a a giver to other people. And this is how God explained it to me in the very beginning of teaching me about finances. And that's why today, when I married my husband, God told me that he would give me someone who would love me like he did. But he said, I will always be your source. I will always be your provision. And uh, it was a good thing because when I married Pastor Bill, Bill, (laughs) I thought he had lots of money. All he had was a credit card. And he doesn't mind me telling this because this is the truth. And that credit card, I mean, our, my kids and I were so excited. He took us to the movies. He went in that bank, slid that card in, came out with plenty of money, popcorn and everything. We had the full nine yards at the movie theater. Didn't we, John? Yes. Lori, it was wonderful. We were all excited. We had a date. We called it we, and he got all of us. When he got me, he got everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, but I got everything of his because we're in a covenant. And, uh, and so with him came a lot of debt. And he kept saying to me, you're not, you shouldn't marry me yet because uh, I've got some things to take care of. I said, it's okay. You know, love, love is blind. I just want to marry you. So, okay, whatever you got. And, uh, and so what I got was uh, there was a lot of debt. I never once was upset with him. Never once did it bother me. And we're talking lots of debt to the IRS, who are not friendly if you owe them money. <laughs> and, and, and I was threatened even because I was married to him. They said they were going to take my money to pay his debt, which I had nothing to do with. Now, that did rile me a little bit, <laughs> just for a minute. But I understood that I could go to jail or do what they liked. And so I made that choice quite readily that they could take whatever they wanted to take <laughs> because I was married to him. But I was first married to the Lord. 
Because in 1979, he said to me, I will be your husband and you will be my wife. And I will teach you how to take care of yourself and these children and you will be a blessing. And he began. And this is the scripture he gave me. It's in Matthew chapter 6, 19. It was very real to me, very, very real to me because I didn't have but just maybe $30 for groceries a week. I didn't have any excess, no extra Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I had been in a marriage, the the father of all my children, where he was in a position where he had much, much more money than me. Much more money. Uh, And... And after the divorce, there was a certain amount of money that was given to me. But how many of you know that, that when you're raising three children, it, it takes, you're putting a roof over their head too, and you're having to do all these things. You know, I wasn't faulting him, but I knew he had more. Everybody say more. And, and a, a lot of my good friends said to me out there in Tulsa, you just need to go back and get more support. And, and they begin to speak to me that it, it's not being mean. It's, it's, it's the fair thing. You know, he's increasing in his finances all the time. He's becoming wealthier and wealthier. And he, he did have a lot. And God said to me, your choice. But he said, where your, heart, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. And he said, I'd like to have all of you. So that's not an answer for you. That was really hard. Very hard. Because I wanted a house for my kids. I wanted to be able to do all the things that I wanted to do for my kids. But God said to me, I'm your husband and you're my wife. If you will let me, I will take care of you. But where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. And if you go after this, you'll be sucked back in to that situation and it will be destructive for you. So in the midst of that, I can't tell you that was an easy decision. But I believe it was a crossroads in my life. And I can tell you honestly from that day forward. I never feared again finances. God began to tell me to double tithe. I thought that's a strange answer to my dilemma. But he said, I'll show you. I will multi- I'll double your income. And I kept track. And for month after month, people gave into my life. Supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. It came from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Did we have an abundance? No, but every time we got something, not an abundance like a huge amount, to give away, but every time I got something, he'd say, give some away. Don't keep it all for yourself. Stay in the system. Stay in the system. Keep giving. Keep giving. And I learned. I learned from that. All the time in this church, I cannot tell you the number of times that when things have happened, my husband and I, God will immediately put something for us to do to give. When When we were short, the beginning of October in this church, when God gave me this message, I was sitting in the park. And he said, you need to walk in the anointing for increase. And that day, this is the truth, on my iPhone came a text from the young man in Tulsa that at Word Explosion, I felt we should support him for VBI. Didn't know him. He sat in front of me. Felt like God just said to me, I saw him raise his hand. He'd like to go to VBI, but he, he would need a miracle. And God said, you just be his miracle. So I asked John. John said, yeah, let's do it. So we, after that, we talked to him. And he was so excited. He went first quarter of VBI. Got the second quarter, I said, I want to hear from you when you finish first quarter. I don't want you to have to stop because of finances. But I believe in God to make your provision because God said, just give him the one time. That day in the park, God was setting me up right back there at Word Explosion. 
to walk in faith. Because in the park, when we didn't have enough money on that Sunday in the offering to pay the bills that week, we had 50000 for the Sudan and not enough for us. Everybody say, give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. And, and so right in the middle of that, when God said, you, you have to walk in the anointing of increase, that guy sent me a text or an email, and he said, I have enjoyed VBI so much, and it's changed my life. We're so excited. We're having our baby in December. My wife is excited because she'd already been through VBI 1 and 2 and the intern program out there, and they had been praying for the money for him to go. He said, I won't be going back next session, but I am so thankful for what you did in your church and everybody. And uh, I, I said to John, well, I know, because <laughs> we get together about how to pay the bills on Tuesday. And I would gotten this email. And I said, I know, what it, I know what it looks like, but see this email. He said, well, let's just take care of it. Yeah. Yes. Hallelujah. Let's take care of it. And we did. And we're still going. And we had one of our largest offerings about two weeks later after that that we've ever had in this church all at one time. Hallelujah. Everybody say, good. praise the Lord. Anointed for increase. Everybody say, anointed for increase. This is not because of us. It's because of God and his word and the truth of the word. Every one of you today are anointed for increase. There is more than enough. Will you say, how am I going to get there? The same way I'm getting there. By speaking the word, believing the word, taking the word God gives me, and never deviating from the truth of that word. I will not disbelieve God. Are you going to believe God? Everybody say, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Let's stand up together this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.